Hi everybody, you're listening to The Rock Podcast with Fox and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you're of legal age where you live, then turn off now. This podcast is about rope bondage. Rope bondage is edge play with inherent risk, and we strongly recommend you get proper training and listen to episode zero before attempting it. Find it at the top of our FetLife page, Rope Podcast No Space. Fox is a rigger and Maya is a bottom. We're rope partners, we've been practicing together for about two years now, and we're excited to share our passion for rope with you. And we live in Thailand. And you know who doesn't live in Thailand? <laughs> That's Christian Red. <laughs> so today we're super pleased to have an interview with Christian, who is indeed Christian Red on FetLife. And he is a rope educator who has led the Nottingham Rope Group for three years. And he's recently also started the Birmingham Rope Social. And he teaches at various events around uh, Europe. And he has a pretty broad rope background, and we're particularly interested today in talking to him about his expertise in takedown and restraint in rope, um, which isn't an area um, taught by very many because there's a, quite a lot of skills that I think are needed for that kind of activity. And Christian has studied and competed and coached martial arts for most of his life and lives with his very lovely uh, partner and property in Twine Star in Nottingham in the UK. Welcome, Christian, and thanks for joining us. It's really nice to have you with us today. Um, I think you know Maya in the flesh too, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm lucky enough to have met her um, last year, so that was, that was lovely. Yeah, I was uh, uh, able to go to the Nottingham Rope Social, which was super fun. And in fact, we have a Rope Tourist episode on it. Um, and we also met at a workshop later in um, London, because even though... The UK is big-ish. It's not that big, and it's a small rope scene. <laughs> yeah, it's a small world on the rope scene. Yeah, for sure. It's for sure and big. you, you guys tied together, right? We did. We had a little, um, a little what? scene at a barbecue. What yeah. The... Would you describe it as a, as a soiree or? Yeah. Oh, it was... Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> not in front of Fox, I wouldn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> It was, uh, yeah, like an afternoon-evening um, barbecue at some of the rope people. In fact, there were a lot of rope people there in uh, London. It was really fun and really nice. A very nice group of people, I thought. I was very honoured to be there. Was she a good bottom or was she a naughty bunny? <laughs> oh. um, she, was, she was perfect. <laughs> um, good girl. Don't oversell it, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we, we had a really good chat beforehand and I got a good idea of, like what you liked, what you didn't like, and I think that's kind of like, that's pretty much half the battle for me really, is can I communicate to the person I'm tying with? Yeah, the negotiation beforehand is super important for sure. So to kick us off today, um, can you set the scene a bit for us, Christian? So you've been on the King scene since 2002, right? That's right. How did you first get interested in rope? Okay, so... Um, I started going to peer ropes um, almost as soon as I joined the kink scene. Um, it just really didn't click with me at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think partly uh, just the way people were approaching it wasn't really what clicked for me. So, for example, um, a lot of the people who were teaching, uh, not I said teaching, a lot of people who were sharing things at peer rope, um, it was primarily coming from like a climbing background or okay. a sailing background. There was like the odd couple of people who studied like the Japanese stuff, um, but a lot of the time it was very much very sort of functional stuff being passed on. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of, um, to use the term 
dick measuring going on. Okay. In terms of like, I can suspend this person. No, I can suspend two people. I can suspend three. <laughs> there was a lot of that sort of business going on, which is kind of fine, but that didn't really click with me very much. Yeah. And then um, the partner I was seeing at the time, like a play partner, was really interested in learning it, and she started asking around, and we came across this gentleman called MRK, um, which is short for Master Rope Knot. Mm-hmm. And he kind of developed his own style, which was based upon more Western damsel in distress type tying. Um, but he was very much a proponent of the the more connective, touchy feely side of rope. Okay. Mm. Um, so like with him, with MLK, he was very much a case of these are tools. You know, this this rope, this this cuff is a tool, and you use that tool to help you have these amazing experiences with people. Yeah. Um, and it's very much like the experience was put front and center after that point. Uh, so there's a couple of rope rope groups in the UK, and one of the ones which started um, being a proponent of Japanese style rope was called Rope Office Hours, which is based in Leeds. And at the time, they were absolutely fantastic because they were bringing people throughout the UK who kind of developed these interests and, and further afield, actually. Um, and they were bringing them in and they were basically just putting on these classes. Um, and so I got to meet people like um, Shan and Ronin from Edinburgh. Okay, nice. Uh, people like Jack Whipper. Um, and then the kind of the core team we had organising it, people like um, Jakara, Lace Lines, Ruby Rouge. Um, there were these sort of people who'd um, taken those next steps on the, on the more Japanese side of things. And that kind of, from a, a fluidity point of view, really helped me understand how to tie maybe sort of Maybe a bit faster, maybe a bit more improvised, um, having a bit more um, uh, creating forms in a sort of more of a fluid way. Yeah. And then we're sort of stepping forward from that. Um, the kind of the next evolution of the UK rope scene was Anatomy Studios in London starting, mm-hmm. and that kind of regularly brought in people from abroad. Um, so people like uh, Kazami. Uh, Pedro, um, and uh, Avalon, um, and also then um, uh, Bones and Rope putting on their own classes, and that meant that there was this kind of like this a uh, much stronger, more direct, more regular international influence as well. I can see there that there's lots of different styles of rope, and also obviously I know you're FET and I've tied with you, and you've tied for some beautiful photos on FET, so you have that artistic rope connection, but you're also very connective, you're also very sadistic, like I've seen you with um, Entwined Star, and you also do takedown rope, so that's like a lot of different rope styles. So what kinds of rope speak to you most? Like what's important to you in your rope scenes and your rope? Okay. Um, so the, the main things that influence me are, are more about the feelings and emotions of a scene as opposed to the like the, the style of the rope, if you like. Mm. Um, so something like takedown rope would appeal to someone who wants to feel out of control, perhaps want to feel scared, um, perhaps want to feel this um, this immediate sense of vulnerability. Um, like a, a more connective rope session, might the feelings involved in that might involve like a little bit more nurturing, maybe a little bit of intimacy. Um, for me, I'm uh, when I'm tying, I'm trying to put the 
feelings front and centre because what really gets me going to the top is more understanding the person and understanding what makes them happy and having the control over that and having the power to kind of have that unfold for them within part of a scene, if that mm. makes sense. Mm. Um, so there's the kind of that, and a lot of that comes from just lots of talking beforehand, not necessarily like a negotiated talking, but more from a, okay, so yeah, what, what, what brings you here? Like, why are you in this club? Like, why are you, why are you interested in these type of people? Um, and, and really kind of building and developing a rapport with someone understanding what makes them, what makes them tick. And then within the scene itself, like having the kind of the, the people skills to be able to read someone and know, okay, am I pushing the right buttons here? Like, am I, um, like, what what is it that um, that I'm doing that uh, that's working for them? How can I like in, make it work for them more? Um, yeah. So it's um, so the the moral knowing how to play with the moral. I'd say I hate the term extremes, but mm. um, working with like the more potent elements like takedowns allows me to kind of push things mm. um, in a much more um, I'd say more volatile direction but safely mm. um, or, or at least with um, a degree of safety that I can control um, so I can create like a, a sense of threat for someone if that's what they're interested in Hmm. Okay, so tell us a bit about takedown work. So for people who might not have come across this term before, because I um, imagine it's it's a bit more niche than some of the more common forms of vote. What, what is it, and what happens in it? Absolutely. So I class takedown play as anything where the person I'm playing with wants to give me some level of physical resistance. And um, so some people interpret that as just fighting with their entire life. To not ha- um, to remove themselves from the scene. Obviously, this is totally pre-negotiated and yeah, yeah. Sure. and consensual. Um, fighting with them, you know, pr- play fighting with their entire life to remove themselves from the scene, um, versus someone who's just like maybe just struggling a bit, like being a little bit awkward, a little bit difficult. Um, for me, it's um, utilizing a bunch of skills which are like body control, so controlling someone while standing to make make sure I'm. I'm going to put them where I want them to go. Um, the actual takedown itself, which is taking someone off their feet onto the floor, and then physically restraining someone when they're on the floor so they can't get back up again. And then um, using rope, um, if I'm using rope in the scene, in such a way so that it's um, incapacitating them. And um, okay, so that's that's really interesting because uh, and that's like a preconception that I had because this isn't something I've done that I assumed it was always from standing down but your description suggests to me that maybe sometimes you might start on the floor or like there's no reason why you have to start standing is that right oh yeah absolutely and also um if if you have like a really kind of um open dynamic with someone like I found um like just to give you like a little example like I used to tie with this lady who lived locally um, only used to because she moved away now um, and she was really drawn to these ideas of restraint but but she's like incredibly fidgety okay like, and if you met anyone like that, you know people some people just can't sit still um, and she kind of found that like she was enjoying being tied up it was really working for her but she would just have these bursts of energy that just came out of nowhere um, so having like this and like I kind of said to her like if you have a burst of energy that comes out nowhere just go with it like 
you're not going to injure me. You're not going to like cause any problems. Like, and so uh, that so she would channel these bursts of energy into like having like you know fighting back. Um, and that meant that we'd go from sessions which were really calm, really quiet, really serene, to like just having these like little play fights which came out of nowhere, and then like containing these play fights, and then go back to nice and calm, nice and serene. Play fight comes out of nowhere, nice and calm, nice and serene, etc. Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. We really love making this work podcast and sharing it with you. Sadly, hosting a podcast isn't free, far from it actually. So if you like this podcast and you want to support us, you can do so at ropepodcast.com. You'll find ways to buy rope stuff so that we get a cut from your purchases, and also ways to donate to us directly. And if you can't afford to do that, that's okay too. Just enjoy the podcast. Now back to our normal programming. Okay, fascinating. That, that's interesting because a lot of people have this image of the rope bottom as a very compliant and sometimes even passive partner, whereas it doesn't have to be that at all, does it? Absolutely, and it can it can be in the middle as well. Like, um, there's there's this kind of perception that you're either like I have this um, misconception now because I teach a lot of takedowns that it's either the extreme of someone who's a complete, for lack of a better word, doormat and lets you do whatever you want to them. Yeah, like they just like they melt in your hands when you touch them and they and you put the rope on them and, and I, I'm not I'm not knocking anyone's anyone's way of doing rope I'm pretty sure I, I'm a doormat when people tie me up um, versus people who are like 100% active in fighting back and you know quote unquote bratting mm. um, and they see it as the, these two extremes between the two but actually there's a lot of people who want to be active in scenes in not in a way which is fighting the scene, but in a way which is like adding to it. Mm-hmm. So if you look at, um, say, someone like, um, if you look at Shan or uh, Lace Lines, um, how they kind of introduce movement into scenes. Um, so just to give you a comment, uh, an example from them, obviously they can teach this sort of thing way better than I can, but um, say you're like on your knees being tied as a bottom, um, and you just you know what, being on your knees just isn't working for you. You're not being difficult, it's just you would prefer to be in a different position. Mm-hmm. Like tipping yourself off to the side so that you're sitting on your hip and that yeah. becomes a much more comfortable position for you and it means that you can, and that might even be because it's more comfortable or you might want to be looking at your partner or you might want to be touching your partner. Um, it's not necessarily fighting the scene, it's more just introducing movement in a way which works for them. So that's going to be actually quite interesting, but that is probably not very easy for someone who is more of a novice rigger to handle not only what he's doing, but also the fact that his partner's interaction are changing what's happening. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Like when I was first learning rope, if someone moved when I was climbing, <laughs> I'd have a nervous breakdown. You're trying to remember how to tie a single column, then she's running all around the room. Yeah, yeah, I, I would, um, I would say like using um being careful and sensitive towards like your partner skill level if you're doing stuff like that hmm. uh gear wise is there is there like something you have in your kit or a certain type of rope or some like useful tool you use to make uh, that less difficult to handle this uh fighting back aspect of takedown um so uh, so the rope itself, um, I tend to use a, a lighter rope, so something like a, a loose jute. Yeah. Um, 
mainly because the lighter the rope is, the easier it is to throw around. Mm-hmm. So, so if you time someone, it. yeah, yeah, exactly. And if you time someone, one who's moving and repositioning themselves, the looser the rope is, the easier it is to throw it over your head. The easier it is to pull it through a gap really quickly. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're using like a thicker, um, heavier rope, like a hemp or something like that, it's not impossible, but it just gives you another obstacle to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, another factor for me is how long the rope is, um, because um, a lot of people seem to tie in eight metre lengths, mm-hmm. which for me doesn't work quite as well because if I pull something through a gap, I'm having to pull through twice. Mm, whereas yeah, you it's want a lot. Just a single movement. Yeah, quite. I wouldn't want that, that to be as efficient as possible because this was pretty difficult anyway. You know, if you yeah. if you're tying someone who doesn't want to be tied up, um, th- there's a lot of ways they can make that difficult. And most bottoms realise that if they want to be difficult, all they've got to do is put their foot on the end of the rope. <laughs> 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 and that means you've got to like kick them off your rope and then pull your rope through. I'd rather just have a, a shorter piece of rope. So what kind of lengths do you use? Um, I tend to use um, about 7.2 metres. Um, but that's just because that works for my my arm length. I kind of always encourage people to play around with like a, a like a, a crappier piece of rope um, and cut it down to length and, and work out what works for them in terms of sizing. Mm-hmm. Quantity-wise, do you usually do your take down with a single rope or do you use several ropes at the same time? Like what's the setup? Yeah, so it's usually because of the issues of um, like having enough material that I can handle. Um, it's usually tends to be one rope. Like usually, like it's Christmas if I end up using two ropes <laughs> in a takedown seat. <laughs> it's just because there's like so much to like be physically handling. So because usually at most points when you're tying someone, you c- your um, limbs can come back into the game so to speak so if you've got someone restrained they can get their leg free and you need oh. to be able to do something with that it kind of doesn't really work having absolutely loads of pieces of rope I, I tend to use either one or two um, and very rarely use more than that oh. mm. Mm. so so what is um, satisfying about this style of rope takedown rope for you what, what makes you do it what makes you enjoy it and teach it um so I got into doing it. Um, I actually got into like the seed got planted back when I was at university. Um, so I had this so um, when when I was doing my degree, there was a lot of um, uh, females on my course, and we had very kind of open, frank conversations. And the, this this had never occurred to me before, but I read I'd been reading this new article. And it was about some people who lived um, like two towns over from me, and the police had been called because the one the couple, the female, had, had just started screaming, and the, and their neighbours had called the police, and the police got there, and what they found was um, basically I think it was say five people enacting a, a consensual non-consent scene, mm. and like the police walk in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's like, so there's like four guys and this and this woman, and they're tying her to the bed, and they kind of explain, nice oh yeah, that it was just uh, the the lady quickly said like, oh this is just a fantasy I have like, and I asked these like four guys to help me out, um, and that and that for me like at the time was just absolutely fascinating. Like I couldn't imagine that like 
look, I, 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 like it's hilarious now thinking that because that's pretty much every conversation <laughs> I have with people. But it completely threw me. Um, and so I talked about it with the with with the people on my university course, and they were like, "Yeah, like it's like the most common female fantasy," and like that just made my head spin. So we had a whole bunch of conversations around this stuff. Like they told me about um, things they fantasized about. Like I had a, I had a really good bunch of friends who we went to uni with, and that kind of planted the seed for me and made me maybe think about it more. Um, and then kind of when I got onto more into the kink scene. Did you already have the rope skills by then? Um, no, I didn't have any rope skills. Um, oh, okay. I, I was just some like like kinky guy on the scene. Um, <laughs> So someone said, like, do you want to come and do, like, a, a takedown workshop? And I was like, no way, because people are going to be walking out of there with, like, broken arms and stuff. Yeah. And B, I don't really understand, I don't. I was honest and said, I don't really understand the mindset of it. Mm. Um, so I started, when I got more into topping, I kind of started playing around with this more of introducing takedowns in scenes and also started labbing um, ways of making takedowns safer. Mm. Um, so removing some of the risk elements of it and that kind of and I started doing it and then I started interviewing people after I so I would do scenes with people and then I would interview them afterwards and get an idea of like what worked and what didn't um, and then we um, and yeah it kind of went on from that and I felt more confident teaching it and would you say to people before you did that kind of scene with them look it's okay if you want to try and get away because it's really interesting as a bot- a rope bottom, and and obviously you know my experience is, is like within a particular context, but it wouldn't have a. I'm a very melty rope bottom, and I I don't think I would call myself a doormat, but I'm very I enjoy being in rope, and it wouldn't mm. have occurred to me to try and get out of it. Like it just wouldn't. You'd have someone would have to say to me, "Would you like to try and?" And, and yeah, okay. you wouldn't want to get out of it because it's not your preference, Maya. But also, I think most rope bottom doesn't e- don't even know that it's an option to want to. Right, that's what I'm it. saying. It wouldn't it wouldn't occur to me, like for for both those reasons. I mean, I I I quite there's there's something to occasionally fighting back for sure. But I would have to be given permission to do that in a scene. Like it wouldn't be something I'd just try. We could do that. Yeah, sometimes. absolutely. Because like at, at no point like so because I bottom as well like. At no point have I ever thought in a scene I wanted to fight back. Hmm, okay. And so it sounds like, um, from the things you talked about so far, there's quite a lot of skills that a rope top needs in takedown rope. So what kind of things would you say are important skills-wise? Um, so from a from a top's perspective, um, like understanding body manipulation, um, so understanding how to take someone off balance, um, how to control someone's weight as it's as it's going down, um, understanding like, anatomically where we're most weak, uh, where we're strong. Um, because if, say for example, if you get hold of um, someone in an anatomically weak place, like say um, like the wrist joint or something like that, um, someone doesn't have to resist an awful lot, and they're going to end up really damaging their wrist. Whereas if you you end up grabbing somewhere which is anatomically quite strong, say for example like the upper arm or um, the thighs, um, people can put an awful lot of resistance into that session and they're not going to come away injuring themselves, um, so kind of understanding what's strong on the human body. 
So okay. as a rigger, you would be handling the way the model falls, not asking for your bottom to know how to fall by yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like it's 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 handy for me. Like if someone, if I'm doing stuff on someone who knows how to fall, knows how to land, I can um, I can be a bit more boisterous with what I'm doing and um, have more of a repertoire of takedowns, if you like. But if I'm taking down someone who doesn't, then I've got to be really careful knowing that they're not um, exposing any vulnerable joints or anything like that, and so that they're going down 100% under my control. Mm-hmm. So, Christian, I'm sure you've whetted a lot of our listeners' appetite about trying a takedown rope. What kind of risks do they need to be mindful of before doing it? Wait, okay. what about buttons? I want to hear about buttons. You want to hear about buttons? Skills. Okay. Yeah. I want... <laughs> I'm standing up for the buttons. Well, there's, I... there's looking I... pretty. Sir, <laughs> I don't think that buttons need as many skills here, but I'm interested if they need, if there's anything that a bottom needs in these kind of scenes. Yeah, I, I think so. So, like, body awareness is a big one for me. Um, so, like, as a top, you try and be mindful of, like, where all the, where the person's limbs are. So, if, say, for example, you're firing on the floor and your bottom's arm is caught underneath them, um, Bottoms having a mindfulness of, you know, if you were to roll one way, then you're going to, like, damage the joint, versus if you roll the other way, then everything will be completely fine. Um, some um, Having a bottom who's aware of those sort of issues means that they can keep themselves safe during a scene a lot better and, like, make little make readjustments. Um, same as if, say, like, you put, um, if you put a, a... have a really fast and dirty cuff put on you, um, having, like, a little micro-check... To make sure, well, well, okay, so this is quite a nasty cough, but is it actually, is it digging in on the joint? Is it kind of, is it, is it unbearably tight? And having that kind of presence of mind before that that cough goes on to form part of a harness, being aware of like, okay, is everything okay at this point? So a bit of rope experience in general is is, this is like a more sophisticated rope experience. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, more sophisticated or more high risk, because I assume there's a lot of risk involved. Sure, in let's play. go with your question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, it's, it's pretty risky. Um, it, it's funny, though, because, like, a lot of the risks of takedowns are things that people almost, not I wouldn't say ignore, um, but almost stop thinking about, uh, about suspension. So, like, if, if, we, if I were to do a takedown on you guys now, there's like, there's a there's an outside chance that you could um, damage your back. There's an outside da- chance that I can damage my back in doing it. There's also an outside chance that you know you could um, twist twist an ankle, um, damage your wrist. Um, but all this stuff is very much possible within like um, suspension as well. It just becomes a case of like people tend to forget about it. Mm. Or, or almost like it becomes like a serious concern when people start doing it, and then it becomes like almost starts damp- becoming dampened like the more they do it. I wonder, that's interesting, I wonder why that is. I wonder if takedown just is like newer for people, feels more risky because it's very active, because it's more fighting, in inverted commas, like... Yeah, I, I think it, I, I think it's because it's newer. Um, because like, I know it's a risk, but it's almost a case of, I stop thinking about it, or not, it, it becomes, moves like, to being like a almost like a background consideration after a little bit, whereas I I know I worried about it an awful lot when I first started doing it. 
how how do people look at this type of scenes if you're playing at a, at a party like did you ever have problems with dms coming into your scene and asking what's happening or why the person's resisting what kind of of look do you get from people when you do this kind of play in a party setting um um i, I guess it's, a, it's more some people don't understand it in terms of people can ask afterwards like what's um like my you you bring up like the good point of why would someone uh, fight back when they're seen um if they're also comfortable if they like being tied up which is a good question like i've never had um, a dm interrupt my playing before um when it's been takedowns I, i've had dms interrupt like odd odd things in other ways um but i think that's more like a societal thing so for example um like because we're on the kink scene as well quite a lot here um things like um using punches as an impact tool yeah so rather than slapping someone on the ass like punching them on the ass yeah I've, I've had DM say you shouldn't be punching her and you kind of have this con- yeah so you kind of have this conversation of okay so you're only using a stick <laughs> of wood <laughs> are you finally using this like massive thick piece of leather I could beat someone to death with but me using my fist a thing which I don't want to break because it's really important to yeah me. and you have and sensation my- in it you know what's happening with yeah. it yeah, you have an issue with this, like, why? Because, yeah. Okay, uh, back to rope technique for a minute. Uh, what kind of ties are good for this type of play? What are your go-tos if you're doing takedown with someone? Um, so go-tos are, um, I use a lot of, do you, are you guys familiar with Hojo Jitsu? Yep. Okay, so um, Hojo Jitsu being um, Japanese arrest techniques involving rope. And they work because you usually start from an arm and then you pretty much immediately go to the neck. Mm-hmm. Um, so the effect this has, which is because you can making a connection between the arm and the neck, it means that someone resisting is um, creating a choke on themselves. Mm. Um, so obviously this has it has its risks. Um, and again, it comes back to this body awareness thing of um, tying people who know who are aware of the risk and also are aware enough to know that when a rope goes around their neck. They probably shouldn't be pulling on the rope. Which right, is right. <laughs> um, I can see that. And then obviously me kind of um, having scissors and um, awareness of this and um, yeah, all that kind of good stuff. So that so hojo ties work really well for for resistance. Um, I kind of come up with a few things on the ground um, because I often like getting people uh, restrained on their back. Um, so there's a couple of um, quick double column ties which are good at once you've isolated someone's arms like tying their arms together and then you can tie their arms off say to a, a point above them where they can't get to it yeah uh, weirdly futamemos work really well for takedown play because hmm. um, it's, it's not difficult to make someone bend their leg if you um, create pressure um, on the abdomen because if you say if you push yourselves in the tummy now um, if your arms are restrained, usually you bring up your legs mm. to protect yourself. So if you, mm, um, so that's a good way of setting someone up for like a, a tight foot to mama. So you don't need to be squishing my stomach now for photos. Just tell me and I'll bend my knee. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't want us integrating that into <laughs> everyday work things. I'll think about um, it. Mm. 
so the we we both um, attended a workshop uh, in London when when I was over, which was um, freestyle suspension, and I'm yeah. realizing that maybe that could connect a bit more with this because that's much more about building like tying someone up in a freestyle way which i guess takedown can be and then suspending from whatever you've ended up doing is that something you've done um yeah so i've, I've been lucky a few times and my and it's like the stars have kind of aligned and the led into suspensions um there tended to be things which rely on like again really sturdy parts of the body so uh again free to memories tend to work pretty well for this because even if you yeah, yeah, it's very hard to damage your leg in that way if it's like properly compacted, and and it, getting a, a suspendable food to Momo while someone is being physically restrained actually isn't that difficult. Um, also, things which go off the waist, um, again, you've got a little bit more play and wiggle room there in terms of like how much potential anatomical damage you can cause someone. Um, the problem with um, like the freestyle suspension. Um, techniques which we come in that workshop is that um again they're relying on the person within the rope being compliant uh okay yeah i see that <laughs> yeah um so I, I i so it's gonna be quite difficult to get things in an ideal position with the right level of tightness um, mm. um but it's not not impossible but um but rather challenging i'd say yeah it's really interesting like it's brought up a lot of um, interesting thoughts for me for sure and stuff I hadn't thought of before uh, which is uh, awesome okay um, thank you Christian for t- telling us a bit about uh, takedown rope today and I am sure that it will very soon be a trending search uh, keyword <laughs> on Google as the hundreds of millions of listeners of the rope podcast will rush to learn more about that subject thank you for having me on and for like, creating a, a cultural phenomenon with me it was a pleasure. <laughs> so that's all from us today at the Rope Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. So iTunes, Stitcher, or so on. And come friend us on our Fet Life page, Rope Podcast, one word, no space. You can also find us easily at ropepodcast.com. We love questions from listeners, so drop us a message on Fet and we'll try to answer you in an upcoming episode. Thanks for listening. And have fun tying. <laughs> <laughs>